0: How many of you are Pacer fans? Okay. Uh, Fever fans? How many of you uh, like to... They just retired a number, right? And so um, how many of you are Indy 11 fans? Any Indy 11? Okay, not even 11 of you? Okay. Um, So uh, how about... uh, How many of you are Indians? Indians fans? Okay, okay. so how many of you are just fans of the food uh, when you go to a game? Okay, yeah, that's kind of what I thought. There are different ways to experience sports. Uh, there's different ways that you can experience sports in our culture. Uh, one way is at home, Right? Uh, you can just, you know, watch the sport. You can sit there and uh, on your sofa or whatever and uh, in your recliner and just hit the button and you can watch uh, the sport being played. But along with that, there's kind of a separation. You know, there's not as much uh, of the game atmosphere really um, in your living room. Uh, I think it goes up a little bit more if you have more people in the house and things like that. But but there's only a certain amount of real energy that you can get in experiencing the game this way. But if you had a ticket, for example, to the U.S. Open uh, in August in New York, Center Court, uh, ticket uh, that you could have. Anybody want the ticket today? Okay, this is not the Oprah show. Okay, so I'm not, and this is a fake ticket. Sorry, uh, but I, I made this this week to illustrate this. But uh, you know that would be another level, wouldn't it? I mean, if you had a Super Bowl ticket, maybe you know one. Uh, Thing on your bucket list, go to the Super Bowl somewhere, or, or maybe to go see other championship game or something like that. And, and so, you know, that's another way to experience the game. And, and it's more intense, wouldn't you agree? That, that when you're sitting there in the stands, you know, when you're there around other fans of the game... Uh, it's a whole different thing. And when you think, well, maybe my voice will help them call better, you know, and, and uh, so you're kind of getting into it, going home horse or whatever, uh, it, it's a different experience, wouldn't you agree, than the experience you have with this. But there's another level of experience that you can have. And that is to get out on the court yourself. And to actually, uh, you know, this is more uh, powerful, really, because you feel like I'm determining the game. I am impacting the game myself it's not just me sitting watching somebody else at this point now it's me and I used to I used to play a lot of tennis and I kind of joke around with people and I'd say hey you know we're going out to play Uh, bring your dental floss and they'd say what do you mean my dental floss and I'd say so you can pick the the fuzz out between your teeth after I serve." Yeah, that was bad, wasn't it? How many like some trash talk, though, you know what I'm saying? It just kind of just helps, helps the game, you know, if you have a little trash talk out there. And so anyway, uh, man, when you're out there, you know, and you're playing yourself, then you feel a part of the game. I mean, it goes beyond just sitting in the stands. It goes beyond just sitting in your living room. Now you feel the game. You're in the game. Uh, You're impacting how the game will turn out. And and so it's, it's a whole different level of experience. Wouldn't you agree? It's just a whole different level of experience. Now you may say, well, Craig... What does that have to do with the Bible? Well, I think it has a lot to do with the Bible. Uh, As a matter of fact, I believe that if you look at the life of Jesus, there's three levels of following Jesus. There's three levels that we can engage in uh, with Jesus. And here's the first level of how we grow in God is a distant observer. Okay, and some of you may be at that today. Jesus had people like that, that were just following him at a distance. You know, they were just kind of checking him out. They were just kind of kicking the tires, so to speak. Uh, They weren't actually engaged with Jesus. They weren't actually participating in the life of Jesus. They were just kind of watching and that's great, and uh, if you're here today and you're just kind of kicking the tires of faith uh, in your life, I am so glad you are here this morning. And uh, that's really, a lot of times, where our faith starts. And so maybe for some of you, you, you weren't really even there uh, prior to coming today, but maybe today you become kind of that distant observer, but then... You move to an engaged attender. And Jesus had those. Jesus had those who who then decided, okay, I'm going to kind of follow him. I'm going to walk along, and I'm going to go along in this journey. And so no longer are they just sitting back and watching, but they're actually there. They're actually a part of it. And so some of you are like that. Some of you, you come, and, and you come more than just Christmas and Easter. You come on a more consistent basis, but, you know, that's, that's kind of describing your faith. You're an engaged attender. And then there's a third level of those who follow after Christ, and those are full, full participants. Full participants. Those are people who aren't content to just watch the game. Those are the people who aren't content to let somebody else determine the outcome. Those are people who have decided, I'm coming down out of the stands and I'm gonna get on the court. I'm actually gonna feel what it feels like to be out there to actually play in the game, to actually actively and and consistently be a full participant. And here's two questions that I would like for you to ask in regard to all this. First question is, where are you in this journey? You know, are you a tire kicker? Are are you someone who's just kind of Yeah, checking Jesus out or checking the church out or whatever. And again, if that's you, I am so excited that you're here today because this place was built for you. It was built for you. It was built so you could come in here. Come as you are is what we like to say. You can just come as you are, and you could just come in this place and, and kick the tires and, and just kind of you know, check it out and all, and if you don't you know, want to go full-blown for Christ this morning, then that's okay. Uh, we're, we're just glad you're here, but would you see where you're at in this journey? And then the second question, would you consider taking a step further in this journey? In other words, if you already are, a tire kicker, would you think about becoming engaged in the game? An engaged attender. You know, maybe you just come a couple, three times or four times a year or whatever. Uh, Maybe you come once a month, but would you consider getting a little closer to Jesus today? Would you consider taking another step. And some of you, you've already taken that step. And so another step for you would be to do what those people did around you today. They stood up. They stood up and said, you know what? It's not enough for me to sit like this. It's not enough for me to just come here It's not enough. I I want to impact the game. I want to get out there and feel what it feels like to be fully engaged, fully committed, fully participating. And so, we're going to see this this morning in the life of Jesus. So, Matthew chapter 4, if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. Matthew chapter 4, and... Uh, If you don't have a Bible, you got it on your device, just pull it up, Matthew 4, or on your U version notes if you have those. Uh, Otherwise, we'll have it up on the screen, but let me just set this up. Matthew, if you're not familiar with the Bible, is one of the writers about the life of Jesus. And so you have four of those. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And two of those four were firsthand observers of Jesus. They actually walked with him. ...during his ministry. The other two studied him and interviewed people... ...and and they wrote about the life of Jesus. Well, Matthew's one of the ones who walked with Jesus. He actually participated in the life of Jesus... ...walking alongside him in Jesus' ministry. And so, when he writes this... ...he is writing firsthand observation... ...what he was very closely connected with... And he shares with us about the calling of those early disciples. So here's how it goes in verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, now notice that, at once they left their nets and followed him. I mean, the first step that they took and that you and I need to take is this. If you're following along in your notes, it is hearing God's invitation. To really take a step toward God today, the first thing that you and I have to do is hear God's invitation invitation to really hear it to listen to tune in to God I was asking Rochelle about you know are there ever times honey when I'm not listening to you and she's like seriously and it was amazing how many times she could remember you know I was like whoa you know I I wasn't It's not history, you know. (laughs) Uh, We don't need to even go back that far, and some weren't that far. Uh, But anyway, uh, there are those times, and she said a whole bunch of other things, but I wasn't really paying attention. Um, No, uh, she's not here right now, so I can say all that. Uh, We hear things, but here's what these disciples did. They listened. Because here's what they did next. They sprang into action. At once they left their life behind and followed him. The real reason these guys were there is that at some point in their lives, and maybe you don't know this about Jewish history, but in Jewish history, being a priest or a rabbi, a teacher, uh, being in ministry was like the ultimate. If you could do that, that was just like the ultimate. And and you can pick up on that when you read the Old Testament, because the Old Testament priests were just like, you know, special people. Matter of fact, God actually had special things that he would have for them, and you know, special food, special clothes, and special place to live, and different things like that for the priests. And so Jewish young men aspired to that. Because they thought, wow, it just doesn't get any better than that. Now, I mean, to be a teacher of the law, to be you know, a rabbi, that's just the ultimate. But here's the problem. Only certain people made the cut. And so many young men, as a matter of fact, most young men heard this. I'm sorry you're not good enough. You're not good enough. And so what they would do and what Peter did and Andrew is they went back home. And they just picked up often whatever the family business was. And so in this case, it was fishing. And so they just went back and got involved in fishing to make a living. But Jesus comes along and he says something different than the people did to them, he says to them, come, follow me, because I see something in you other people don't see. I feel like you're just the right person to follow after me. I I see something no one else sees in your life, and I want to use it. I want to leverage you and that for my glory. Aren't you glad today that God looks down with a different set of eyes than other eyes that have looked at you in your past and said, you're not good enough. That God looks down today and says, oh, yes, you are. Oh, yes, you are good enough. You're good enough to follow me. And so he calls those that the world would put to the side. You see, often we disqualify ourselves, don't we? We think, well, somebody's smarter, somebody's more gifted, somebody's more talented. You know, Gideon was one of those people in the Old Testament. If you know his story, or Moses, perhaps you're more familiar with him. He said, you know, God, can't you choose somebody else? And God says, No. I want to choose you. I want to use you. And so Jesus so often looks down to those who don't feel like they're good enough. Who don't feel like they measure up. And you may be here today, and you may feel like, well, I've had people confirm that in me. I've had people tell me I'm not good enough, that I don't measure up, that I'm not smart enough, I'm not gifted enough. But God looks down today and says, no, I don't call the qualified, I qualify the called. You see, God sees something in you. That maybe you don't see yourself. And maybe God's looking down today and he sees something in you that maybe other people have never, never aspired to. You know, you know, it's funny because Paul comes along in the New Testament. And he says, you know, often God just blows people away. Now, he didn't say it quite like that. But I'm going to say it the way I feel like Paul would say it. He says, you know, what, what God does is... He'll look down, and the people that we think, well, they're not wise, they're not that smart, they're not that sharp, and God will pick them, and God will use them, or God will take some person that we think, well, they're weak. They're such a weak person. And God will pick the weak person he'll skip over the strong person, he'll skip over the smart person, and he'll pick the person that we wouldn't pick. And you know why the reason God does that? Is so when God comes over and picks Bob, and we're like, why is God choosing Bob? What about Bob, right? Right? What what about him? And the reason why God does that is because Bob knows something you don't know. Bob knows that the reason why God's blessing his life, the reason why God's prospering him, the reason why people are touched through his life, the reason why somehow or another he doesn't, he's not that smart, he's not that gifted, he's not all that, but yet he's getting incredible results. The reason why is because the only person Bob can point to that's the reason for that is up. That God did this in my life. And God gets all the glory as a result. You see, God wants to show his strength in you and I. And here's what's great today. It's not that I believe in God. Or maybe that you're here today and maybe you didn't come in believing in God, but maybe you leave Believing in God. And that's awesome. That's so awesome. It's so incredible. Someone did that in the first service. Maybe you're going to do that here in this second service and and commit to God. But what's bigger, I think, than the fact that I believe in God is that God believes in me. That's amazing. It's amazing that God believes in you today. It's so powerful when we internalize this. You know, I remember when I was an intern in my home church, and, you know, there's a scripture that says, you know, no prof- prophet is without honor except when he goes home, you know. And so they didn't like for interns to go home, but the circumstances, I don't have time to get into that. But I, I went home and did my internship my home church. And so, uh, it was going awesome. I had an incredible experience by doing that. But here, here's what happened. There was kind of a powerful moment in my life that I still remember it today. Is that my pastor was asked by his wife, why are you spending so much time with Craig? You never spend that much time with interns. And why are you allowing Craig to do so much in the church? You normally don't do that. And he said to her, I look for potential. And when I see potential, then I invest in it. And that came back via my mom to me. And as a result, those words did something in me. Those words inspired something in me that I'm worth investing in. I'm worth somebody that I admire, somebody that I care about, somebody that I esteem is willing to spend time with me. I'm telling you that the God of the universe looks down today. Think about it. The God of the universe looks down and he says, I think you're just who I'm looking for. I think you're worth investing in through the power of my spirit. Aren't you glad for that? Think about it. Think about it. Oh, man, the potential that God's inviting you and I to more joy, more peace, more power, more presence, more, more happiness, really more excitement, more, more enjoyment, more everything. A life of more because there's a different way to experience God than this. It's this. It's stepping out and watching God use your life. Now, the second thing to write down is this, is that we follow his lead. After we tune in and we hear his voice and we hear his call, then you've got to act on it. You follow his lead. Now, it's amazing, it's amazing how we can reorient our lives when we need to. Let me just illustrate this. If I said to somebody here, hey, what are you doing at the end of August, you know, first of September? And they said, oh, Craig, you know, I'm really busy. You know, i got a lot going on. And I said, oh, that's a shame because I've got front row tickets, center court to the U.S. Open championship game in New York City. And I was going to give you one of those tickets. Look there, my schedule just got free, you know? It just opened up. You know what I'm saying? It's amazing how that when when a call comes or someone that you want to call you calls you, how you're able, how we're able to reorient our lives, to make that happen. And sometimes... That's how it works with God, with God's invitation. Check this out in Matthew chapter 4. Here's what it says next. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers. So he's not done calling yet. He's going to call some more. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them. And immediately, notice that again, immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now, this is the same kind of call as before. And the same kind of result as far as immediately, or at that moment, they immediately left everything and started to follow him. But let me me just point out that this is a little bit different here. That in the first case, it seemed like it was just Peter and Andrew kind of hanging out as brothers and, you know, making it in life, you know. Just hope, you know, we can make it and make a living and all this. But this is an operation. Dad's still involved. There's boat or boats involved in this operation. It seems like maybe there's more going on here. That there's, there's like this family big business, perhaps. And how many of you know the more complicated life gets, sometimes the harder it is to walk away. That the more entangled it gets, and you know they had to detangle their nets. They had to come in and repair the nets, and you know there was just a lot of work involved. And it kind of represents how our lives get tangled up. Anybody ever have that happen? To where it just gets... It's like, how do we get to this point? How, how do we... Our lives are so complicated. I thought life was supposed to get easier, you know? And, and things just have a way of entangling us. And, and, and it put up barriers in our lives as a result because we're, we're constantly you know, working the nets. We're constantly uh, working through uh, all the entanglements of life. And, and the book of Hebrews talks about the things that so easily get us entangled. And, and so life gets so entangled and, and sometimes we get entangled by fear. You know, what if he calls us and we're supposed to do something that's intimidating. What, what if it feels uncertain? What, what if I don't know what's on the other side? You know, what, what if he's calling me to call somebody who offended me one time, and I'm not quite ready to do that? What if he wants me to restore relationship? What if he wants me to extend forgiveness? What if he wants me to step out and to maybe volunteer in something that I don't feel qualified to do? We can get so entangled. And let me tell you something, the more entangled you get, the harder it is to say yes. But when we get disentangled, and that may be a next step for some of you, to get free. To get released to where you can say yes to God. To a God who looks down and says, I choose you. You know, when someone special chooses you, it is special, isn't it? I mean, you know, when that guy called you back and asked you to prom, you know, and you were like, yes, you know, after you put the phone down, you know. Did a little dance through the house, or perhaps when you got picked for the promotion at work, and and you were selected, and now more money, more more uh, you know security at work. Maybe when you know you were dating for a while, and then he, excuse me, then he popped the question, and you were like, wow. Out of all the people that he could have asked, he chose me. He picked me. Maybe you applied for a job. Maybe you asked for a scholarship. Maybe you knew that there were hundreds of people in line for the scholarship. But you were one of the ones chosen. It's special, isn't it? But here's what we do. We, We look at that and we think, you know... I was special because I was chosen instead of someone. I was chosen in place of someone else. And the best way to illustrate this is to go back to the playground. Remember that? In kickball or in dodgeball, and the whole class lined up and two were captains. And you did not want to be the last person standing. You remember that? I mean, you're like... You know, trying to look taller than your buddies around you, you got your chest out, you know, let me have that ball, you know. Because you didn't want to be the last person picked. No, you wanted to be one of the first people chosen. But when God picks, when God chooses, He's not choosing you instead of someone else, He's choosing you for the sake of of someone else. He's choosing you for the sake of someone else who is yet to be reached, who is yet to be impacted, who is yet to be told you were chosen literally for the sake of everyone, because when you step out and, and follow his call, it means more purpose, more freedom, more joy, more meaning, not just for you, but for them as well. There's nothing greater than that. So today, if you're kicking the tires, if you're just kind of, you know, going through Uh, examining God, I'm so glad you're here. Again, this place was built for you. Uh, This service is all about you and, and helping you to come to faith in the one true God. But maybe you're here today, and maybe you've gone beyond that. Maybe you're a ticket holder. Maybe you're someone who's gotten comfortable just sitting in the stands watching someone else get out there on the field. Today, perhaps, God would say to you, I choose you to come on down. I choose you to come on down. Suit up. It's game on. And not just for your benefit, but for the benefit of others. My hope today is you will not allow fear to keep you from stepping out. Because if you... Don't step out. You run the risk of missing out. Missing out on what God could have done through you. What he might have accomplished. You see, hearing God's call leads us to inspiration. But obeying God's call leads to transformation. Transformation. And that's what God has for you today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the way you call to us and reach out to us, not in light of who we are, often in spite of who we are. And so today, I pray that those of us who have been standing on the sidelines would step into the game and And begin to see you make a difference in and through our lives for the sake of someone else. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Craig, I... I don't want to just be a bystander. I I don't want my life to not count for all that it could. I I want to live a life of purpose. I want to see my life making even greater impact for the kingdom of God. I want God to just use my life and leverage it for his honor and glory. If that's your prayer today, like mine, will you just raise a hand like I do and just raise it up toward God today and say, yes, that's me. I I want God to use all of me. Hands all over this room. Father in heaven, I pray that you will use this army of people to make a difference in our culture. We know that there are thousands today all around us who don't have full life in Christ and we know that we can make a difference. Not because of us. Not because we're the most talented, most gifted, or most whatever, but because you are the most incredible. You are above and beyond all gods. And Lord, we know that you can use anyone who will put their hand in yours. Maybe you're here today, others of you, and you'd say, Craig, I've been a person that maybe has kind of been back there not really kicking the tires too much. I haven't even gotten quite that far. But today, I, I want to move beyond just kicking the tires. I actually know and feel that I need to commit my life to God. And, and I want God. I need God in my life. And I want to take that first step toward Him. I want to take that first step in, in making Him my Savior. I, I need Him In my life. I want him in my life today. If that's your prayer, would you just raise a hand and say yes? Just pray over me in this closing prayer. Yes. A couple of hands there. Yeah. Well, several hands. All right. Down here. God bless you. All right. And over there. God bless you guys. All right. Several hands all around the room. So just pray this prayer with me here today. Just say, God, come into my life through the power of your Son died on the cross for me I believe that his sacrifice paid for my sin and today I want to start over so as much as I know how I surrender my life to you thank you for accepting me and calling me and receiving me as a child of God From this day forward, I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, let's welcome those into God's family.